You're listening to Dr. Leslie Inspires, a show where we empower mothers by raising their level of awareness, discussing tough mother-son issues that everyone knows exists, but no one is talking about. Dr. Leslie is joined by Mr. Wayne, who provides insight from a male perspective. To learn more about us, visit our website at www.drlesleyinspires.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Leslie. All right. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to our podcast on today. We are so excited to have our special guest, Mr. Cam, on today, who is a phenomenal young man that I have the pleasure of knowing. And so we're excited to hear his story on today. But before we get started, I want to go ahead as usual and start with prayer. So let's go ahead and bow our heads right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, O God, for this opportunity to come before you one more time, praying that this meeting is all of you and uh, none of us. Pray that you give us the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that we need to give the mothers an on-time word that they need to hear. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through our guest on today, giving him a word that he can speak to help a mother to encourage, inspire, and to educate her, uh, to help her to help her son, to help her to make better decisions for herself, for her life, and for her family. So we just thank you all, oh God, for what is going to happen on today in the spirit. And we will be so careful to give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. So Cam, thank you, thank you once again for joining us on today. So Cam, I'm gonna just start by allowing you to give us uh, most of the background. Just tell us first, can you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your age, uh, grade, just who you are and just, um, you know what? I think as you're telling us about yourself, can you just go ahead and start with the uh, diabetes story and go from there? Okay. Okay. Um, so my name is Cam and I'm 15 years old. I live in Georgia and basically I've went, I've been to a lot of schools, so it's really a lot to name, but the main ones were Dunair and Freedom Middle School and Solid Foundation. Um, I have a lot. I have, I am a 15 year old diabetic. Um, that's, Ugh, couldn't even imagine. Where do I start? So around 2019, I was feeling really sick in May. We're still on summer break. For dinner the day prior, for dinner prior to the day I got diabetes, I had Wingstop and a bunch of just sugary stuff, candy, sugary sodas, and all types of stuff. And after we ate, I was in my room on my bed. I was really sick. I started throwing up everywhere. Mom was like, oh, maybe you just have a stomach bug. Take some medicine and go to sleep. You'll be fine. So I did that for a continuous of two days. And I wasn't getting better. I was getting worse. And on the third day, my mom, she got home from work one day. And she said, you know what? 
you've been sick for two days. I'm taking you to the doctor. We go to the emergency room and I'm still throwing up and, and barely can breathe. And I just was fading in and out. By the time he got to the doctor, they rushed me in a room. They hooked me up to these IVs and everything. And they were saying that they need to hurry up, but I was fading in and out. So I didn't understand what was going on. Little did I know that I was really close to a diabetic coma. And for those who don't know what that is, it's basically where your sugar reaches over 700, meaning that my blood sugar goes over in a 700, meaning that I will go to a diabetic coma. The sugar has taken over my body. And usually you don't make it out of that. And that was scary for me being a 15-year-old to one, experience diabetes and didn't have an opportunity to change. So I was in the hospital for about nine days. I wasn't able to eat for like six of those nine days. And I was up to IVs. I was sleeping all the time, having all these classes about being diabetic and being explained to what it is. And unlike most kids who go to get diabetes, they usually have type one. I have type two, which is like your body does not produce enough insulin on its own. It does not produce any at all. So type one is where you, your body produces some, so it may, it may need a little help. But type two, your body does not produce it at all. So for every meal, you have to stick yourself with the insulin pin and inject a certain amount of insulin before you eat. And you also have to check your sugar before you do all of that. So that way you can make sure you're not, you know, going back into the 700 range and going to a diabetic coma. And while I was in the doctor, they also told me that I was diagnosed with pneumonia. And this was pre-COVID. So I was scared because I was like, oh, my God, I could die. I'm already in a, the hospital for diabetes, almost went to a diabetic coma. And now this COVID-19 is really high at this point. And I have pneumonia and like that can make it worse. And me, me, me being more like able to die or able to get COVID and die. And it really scared me. So, you know, once I got home from the doctor, I seen all my family members and my best friend, what made me really upset, my best friends, they were crying because they, they did not, they, their best friend was about to die. And we had to change. We knew everyone in the family knew I had to make a change right then and there. Um, so my change, I stopped eating all types of sugary stuff. You have to, I just let it go. Uh, sometimes I may have it every now and then, but that's because, you know, I have to have it to keep my sugar at a certain range because you don't want to go too low to where you just fade out. And that's when, when you go to like the 90s area, 70s and 60s, you you just fall out and you'll just be there. People won't know. People just think you're asleep. So that's why you have to keep your sugars around the Some doctors would say no over 250, but I say don't go over 300 because 250 is still a, a lot because you can eat one time a day and your blood sugar be 250 throughout the entire day. And you could fall asleep at any point in time or it goes down. You won't know because you're not eating. And that's another thing I did while trying to get rid of diabetes is I didn't eat as much. I still don't eat as much. You you lose your diet. You lose a lot of taste for any, everything. I eat around two meals a day. And that's what I did. I used to eat two meals a day. I used to just go outside and play. And of course, it came with its um, 
challenges and struggles. You know, you have family members doubting me, saying that I'm a 15 year old failure and stuff like that. It and it just motivates you. You know, it motivated me to say, you know what, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove them wrong that I'm not a failure. I can get rid of diabetes. And it's been about two years since I've had diabetes. And I went from 235 pounds to 135 pounds in two years. And I've lost so much weight. I look so much better. I feel better. I'm getting better sleep. I just feel a better, healthier person all around. And it's just, it's it's really good. It feels really good. And my next appointment's very soon. So hopefully they're telling me I'm closer to getting rid of diabetes. Yeah, I I think so. That sounds awesome. Did that um, mess with your self-esteem? Did you did you even realize how far gone your self-esteem was before you actually started losing the weight because of the diabetes? Yes, because I was always being picked on about being fat and well, I used to go to Hispanic school, so the black thing was also tossed in there. So they were like, oh, you're just a fat black monkey. And it really made myself, I was not proud to, I really didn't like going in public. I used to wear really big shirts just to make me look skinny. I just, I used to do it. My self-esteem was not the best at all. But I can't say now, my self, my self-esteem is up, up, like. Uh, yes, it is. That's why you are on this podcast today, because I recognize that. (laughs) (laughs) And you have a story to tell. Not only do you have a story to tell about diabetes, but part of why we have people on the show is to talk about mother-son struggles. And what I have found is you know, many of the struggles that our sons have um, sometimes are because of the struggles that are because of the the father. And so we didn't have a lot of conversation about this, but can you tell us, let me see, I'll let you determine which direction you want to go. But can you tell us some of the mother-son struggles and perhaps, no, I know which way. Earlier, when I asked you to be a guest on the Dr. Leslie Inspires podcast, you said, absolutely. And then we talked about you seeing a therapist and why you don't necessarily talk to the therapist that your mother wants you to talk to. And I think this is very important because there are many mothers who want their son to go and see a therapist, but their son won't. And so I think you can shed some light on maybe some of the things that mothers may be dealing with, but they don't necessarily know and understand that this is what they're dealing with. So just shed some light on some of the reasons why you won't see a therapist and some of the things that you have actually dealt with and and, and your brother as well. Oh, yes. So when my auntie, okay, so to get background, um, I'm going to explain. My aunt 
that we were we were living with and I was really close with passed away September 6th of 2019. And that took a big hit out of all of us because we were all so close. We lived in a house together. We did everything together. There were days that we, it would be days we didn't see, we couldn't go without each other. So we were really close. And when she passed, it was like a little piece of, I can say that, and a little piece of diet of the entire family. We, we see it. We're all not the same. She was that light that the family had. And my mom wanted my, me and my siblings to see his therapist, me and my brother specifically. And we would talk. So she would get us to talk to his therapist. But the problem was that that I faced or we faced the therapist. We would trust this lady to talk to her and, you know, she would help us and cope with our problems and won't repeat the information to our mother because we were talking about things that affected us around the house, just in general at school, auntie's death, because this stuff is still fresh, being in the house during school, like online schooling. We were talking about all of it. And when we were telling her this information, she would go and repeat the same information back to my mother. And we would get in trouble for it because we would say things that offended her or her feelings. So that's why I don't trust talking to therapists because they, I feel like as my, your job is to help me cope with my pain, I'm telling you, but you're going to go repeat with my information. I feel the same way about school counselors because no school counselor has ever kept their word and said they won't tell your mom. My brother has gotten in trouble. Me and my brother have gotten in trouble many a times because we trusted the counselor telling her something, him or her something, and they went to tell our mother, and we got in trouble. So I really don't trust talking to a therapist, and I only really talk to a couple of family members because they they spread the word to my mom, and I get in trouble. So it was really tough. It's really tough to talk to a therapist because it's like that PTSD of, you know, therapists and counselors and all that. <laughs> right. That's good. And so when your mom asks you to see a therapist, does she give you information that you should not tell? Or is there an unwritten rule of some things that you should not tell or do you think she genuinely wants you to tell these things so that you can get some help there are definitely some unwritten rules that we have um one for example what happens in this house stays in this house um Mm. so it's a lot of things like mental physical emotionally it's like a lot of things that just she doesn't want to be said and we like it really hurts us. She she wants us to talk about things that, you know, we do and, you know, which is fine. But, you know, some things that are really eating at a lot of kids around days are the things that parents don't want them to talk about. Mm. They they would rather than make up some things to say a fake thing to tell the therapist. So it makes it seem like it's good. Life is good at home. But then again, when you're talking to this therapist. And then this kid's still going to school saying depressed things, doing depressed things. And you're wondering why, because you're not letting them get it off their chest. It's still eating at them because they haven't told anybody. They're like, I'm going to tell the therapist this, but mom doesn't want me to tell the therapist that. So I'm the therapist is basically pointless because you can tell anybody the information mom wants you to tell. But the information that you want to get off your chest, you cannot because mom will be upset. 
Mm, that's good. That's good. So then what do you suggest? I suggest for mothers to don't get mad about what the son says. I feel like if I'm, if you're telling me, hey, I see a change in you, you, you're seeing a therapist this day, this day, this time. Let them talk with that therapist. Don't go to sleep with that on your head. Oh my God, I wonder what he said. Because it's going to eat you alive. And then you're going to ask this person, the therapist, to tell you what you said. And then you're not going to, the therapist is going to repeat it. And then you're going to get mad what they say. You're going to be like, I told Junior not to say that. You know, you don't want the the bond to break between the three, the ther- the son and the therapist, and then the therapist and the mother. So what I think mothers should just be more accepting of what the son says. So if the son goes and says, I don't like my mom going out late at night, bringing all these dudes at home and stuff, and I hear them in the room, then you should be fine with that. You just need to find a solution to that. Hey, son, I'm doing this this weekend. Want to go over this person's house this weekend? Find a solution that helps both people. So that way, rather than when you when the therapist tells you what they said, you're like, oh, my God, Junior really did it. And going to yelling and screaming and whooping the son, you just say, you know what, Junior, this is bothering you. Let's talk about it. Why does this bother you? And then you guys come up with a solution. So then the next time the mom wants to bring someone over, she Junior's already gone at his friend's house. So then she can do what she pleases. So that way Junior doesn't have to be here to witness that because that's his mom. So that way Junior is that out having fun with his friends and his mom is still living their life. So when they come home, they miss each other and they want to be around each other. And she had and he hasn't seen any of the things that he would get in trouble for once he tells the therapist because it's bothering him. And that way she's done her business. He doesn't know anything additional that's hurting him that he would even need to tell. And they're both in a safe space. Right. So that way the therapist can help the son and the mother without combining the information with the two. Mm, That's that's pretty ingenious. That's pretty good. I think I think you've helped quite a few mothers right there. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So then what about the mother what about this PTSD? So the damage is done. You know, much like yourself, this son he refuses to talk. Now he doesn't not only want to talk to therapists, he's not even talking to her. So how is he going to get some help? What do you suggest for the sons who have this PTSD based off of some of the situations that you just talked about? How do we get him to talk? How do we get him to get help? Okay, so from personal experience, what I found was that you just need that time alone. Once that, once the damage has been done between the therapist and the son, she told the, the therapist told the mother, I genuinely think the son needs a break from the household or yeah, the son needs a break from the household because it's just going to be straight tension and just bad negativity energy in the house, which is going to make the son not want to talk anymore, even anymore, you know? So I'm maybe go to like a aunt's house and, you know, take a break. So that way, when you come back, you're like, Hey mom, 
I'm back. I've had my time away. I'm ready to talk. This is what's bothering me. Or maybe just try to change. If you know that what's what's bothering your son, if you know what's bothering the son, maybe change. If it's certain things that you can't change. Or like I said, just take the break. And maybe when he's done with his break, he'll come back and want to talk. Because his head is already cloudy from everything. Because the negativity in the house and everything the mom's doing, he's going in school, he's sleeping because he can't sleep at night, he's failing, he's he's being rude to teachers, he's fighting, you know, he's smoking, vaping, drinking, he's doing things that adults do to cope with pain. So give mm-hmm. the son time to give the son time to grieve and give him a break. And then when he comes back, I promise he'll be ready to talk. Mm. Wow, that's, that's good. That's really good. So, Cam, what if he there's no place for him to go? What if there's no out? He has to like deal with it. How how does he deal with it? What does he do? Or what does his mom do? Well, if there's nowhere for him to go, he in himself must say, "Where can I personally be happy?" For me, it is the basketball court with some music. If I can have some music in a basketball court when I'm sad, I go there. That's where I go because that's where I feel like I'm happy and all my stuff, all the negativity is left when I walk in that gym door or when I step on the outside court with the the goal. He needs to find that happy place, whether it's drawing, writing, playing the game, going outside, doing some sort of extracurricular. Now, the mother can do some things like, you know, once that bond is broke, just try little things like, hey, son, let's go on a picnic. You don't have to talk about the stuff that the therapist please. Just talk about regular stuff. You know, mm-hmm. you could talk about school, girls, other things. Take his mind off of what's happening at home because that's the problem with mothers have. I feel as if the second the son walks in the house, outside does not matter. Whatever is in the house is what is on the on the son's mind. Oh, well, that's what the parents think. They think that that's what's on the mind of the child. So maybe go talk to them normally. Try to try to be that friend. Some moms say, I'm not your friend, but maybe that's what the son needs sometime. Maybe they need that friend because, you know, some friends, and especially in this generation, aren't really that trustworthy. You can tell your best friend, the person you're supposed to trust the most, not to repeat this information, which I've experienced. The whole school finds out. You're embarrassed. You can't walk down the hallway without being made fun of. Oh, so wow. you need to you need to be that friend for him. You need to say, "Hey, son, how's your day?" Or you go down. Oh, wow, you did that. Oh man, back in my day. Oh, you, you can just try to make small talk, good bonding moments. Talk about his favorite sport. Try to learn something that he's interested in. For me, it's sports. You can come. My mom, she can come up to me and we talk about sports all the time. Maybe if maybe if he's in the anime, maybe you guys watch an anime together or you guys build a PC or look at cars or anything, you know, ask him, you know, just ask him how he's doing. I feel that's the thing. Parents don't really care about the mental health because they feel as if children don't go through enough to have, quote unquote, mental health problems Mm. so because you know as an adult you go through everything that can cause you mental health problems 
you know, rent, bills, getting fired, your car, all that's a lot of factors that can cause you to have a mental health problem. But a child, you're living rent free, you get you can get money when you please. You get a ride everywhere. You have food on your table, clothes on your back, roof over your head. So adult mothers feel like they don't need to have a mental mental health problem. But in the end, it's what's inside. You need to ask your son every now and then, hey, man, you okay? You need someone to talk to? Sure, they may say no and walk off, but at least you're asking. So at least the son knows when he walks upstairs or walks to his room that every time you ask him, eventually he's going to tell you because he's going to feel like someone's acting is what's wrong with him because he he's probably walking around saying no one cares about him. no one's asking me how i'm doing Ooh, i'm doing for, i'm doing for everyone else but no one's doing for me Mint emotion wow. Woo, brother how old are you again i'm 15 i turned 16 in december my goodness you sound like a grown man <laughs> you have the experience of a grown man. Oh my goodness. So then here's another question for you, Cam. What do you do when you absolutely do not like? Well, let me not ask what do you do? Okay, this is two questions. I have mothers whose sons do not like their husbands or their boyfriends. Ooh, Absolutely. Ooh, do great not topic. Like <laughs> this, is, this is, I like this one because I also deal with this. So the question, do you, what do you do if you don't like the mother's boyfriend? Okay. Most of the time, let me tell you, it's more because you don't want to be there. They're upset that they're not with, you're not with the dad. And because I will say this, sometimes there are some stepdads that are solely mean to the kid, right? And they overstep their role as a stepdad. But at the same time, the son doesn't understand that I don't have a father figure. This man's trying to help me give me that father figure that I'm needing. Because mom can't teach me how to shave and talk to girls and how to be a man and get ready for prom and take care of family. Mom can't teach me that. Mom got to teach sister that. She got to teach her the women part half. The woman half of that. Dad has to teach me the dad things. So that's where it comes from. And I feel like stepdads are just, they have like a bad rep, especially in the black community, because they all it comes with a lot of factors like abuse mentally, physically. They usually don't work, which is causing some of the sons not to talk, you know? And it's just like, bro, you like. Oh, you're hitting my mom. I'm not talking to you. I don't respect you as a man. You should never put your hands on a man. I mean, on a, you sh- as a man, you should never put your hands on a, a woman. Ever. Period. So the son's like, I already don't like you. You put your hands on my mother. So and then the, the stepdad feels as if, oh, you should respect me because I'm with your mom. And I don't really like this. Some stepdads like to throw it in the child's face as if, oh, I do this for you. So you have to do this for me. As, as a, as a child or a student, I mean, yeah, a young man, when someone throws something up in my face that they've done for me out the quote unquote kindness of their heart, why are you mentioning it in my face? If you wanted to do it 
out of your kindness, then you shouldn't repeat and remind me that you've done it for me. That's what the problem that some stepfathers face. They they try to, you know, try to be the they try to be the fun guy and the the enforcer. You know, they try to be like, oh, I'm your friend, I'm your mom's boyfriend, we can be cool. And then it's like I'm yelling at you, throwing up in my face that I bought you shoes and right. other stuff. So that's why, you know, some sons don't like the stepdad or the mom's boyfriend. Wow. So what did you say about putting hands on? How how does that, you've experienced that? Yes, ma'am, I have. And I want to say that it's not the best look. It's it's just not. It's totally, and because we're, you know, as a child, you're like, oh, my God, I want to fight back. But it's like something in you. Like, I don't know if that other son's experienced this, but me, it's like I just... I feel upset. I'm upset and sad because it's like I it's, I can't do anything. It's like I'm so small compared to him. He's he'll probably do the same thing that he did to her, and it's like sad because I can't help. I just have to watch every time. So you know, it's it's really bad, and it angers me because it's it's a really common thing. It's a really really common thing now. At first, it used to be you know every other couple, but majority of the black couples deal with some sort of abuse either it's physically mentally emotionally mentally any type of way they're just abusive in general yeah now how does that make you feel as a young man in terms of you setting your goals towards your future family how do you feel that it, it has changed the type of father you will be towards your children and husband towards your wife. Well, for me, I've always said the men in my family, they're all in abuse in one of those four ways I've explained. I told myself I'll never be that way because I don't want it, my kids to experience what I had to go through. I want my kids to have the best possible life that they can have. I don't want my kids. I don't want them to experience anything that I went through. You know, my kids will, I always want my kids to like and love me. I've I've seen kids with dads that just don't genuinely like them because the way they, they treat their mom. And it makes me feel like I have to, this is my, it's a must. It's not a, I'm gonna, it's a must. This is, I'm going to be the best dad and husband to my family. I will never put my hands on my wife. If it, I think the problem that um, they face is that sometimes as the mom, I feel like you should just leave. Take you and your son and go somewhere. Go to a relative's house for the weekend or however long you need to stay till it cools down. Because you keep egging and egging and on, it's only going to get worse. And as the years go on, you guys are going to get more toxic. You guys are going to not love each other. And it's just going to keep building up keep getting to what guess what the son the son's gonna get more mad the son's gonna do more stuff he's gonna start failing he's gonna join gangs he's gonna do all this bad stuff because of what's going on at home so mm-hmm. for me it's a must i must be a great dad i it's it's a must i must be a great dad and husband so you contribute some of the anger problems that some of the sons go through it a big problem could be the relationship between the mother and the father? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. 
Okay. Wow. That's amazing. That because it's like what up? Because like when you're at home, you're just imagine uh, just imagine you're it's a Friday night. Junior, you're in your room, you're playing your game, you're chilling, you had a long week at work, you got a lot of work done, you got an A on a test on Thursday. You're in your room chilling on the game with your friends. Your mom's it's late. Your mom walks in, she's drunk. The boy the boyfriend comes in mad, calling her all out of these names, screaming at her because she went to go have fun because she had a hard week at work. Note you, most stepdads don't work. So he's at home. Our Friday, Junior's Friday and the mom's Friday is every day to him. He gets to do this type of stuff, you know? So he's yelling and screaming and hitting her. Now he has to watch his mom get a busted lip, a broke a, a black eye. She's on the ground crying, saying that he runs his house and saying if he leaves, some, some, I've seen somewhere says you, you will, you know, unfortunately kill the mother if he leaves, the, if she leaves him. So it's really, it's really angering because it just makes you mad that you can't do anything. It's just like you're bottling up anger. You don't know where you have this big bottle of anger. You don't want to put it. And then you're in school doing all these bad things. And it's making you more mad because when you get home, you're getting in trouble. And then the stepdad's yelling and whooping at you. And then here comes the, you're not my dad thing. So, you know, that makes you even more mad. So then there's just, it's like a repeating cycle of anger. And you just keep building it up and you don't know where to put it. Wow. Wow. So we're going to get ready to wrap this up. But as we get ready to wrap it up, do you think that some of that anger that you may have uh, experienced as a result of some of those challenges may have been the cause of even diabetes and some of the other medical issues that you experienced? Oh, oh my great question. Absolutely. Me, the one of the ways that I cope with pain was stress eating. I would just go in the I wouldn't be hungry. I would just go in the kitchen and eat five cookies, warm up some noodles, eat a bag of chips, drink three sodas, and I would just gain so much weight. And I think because I was so Stress, and this is right during COVID. You really couldn't go outside, and I was at a I was at a new school, so I really didn't have that many friends to go outside and play with. So I was just in the house playing the video game, not exercising, stress eating. So you're like, you know, for me, that's what I was doing. I was gaining so much weight. I was just going there, eating so much food, and going to the store, wanting out to eat all the time. And it's just like it was so bad for my health, all all four ways, and it's just. It's just bad. Wow. So could you actually identify it towards that? Or is this something you can identify with now? I definitely think I can identify it towards now looking back because there was no reason why I I thought it was normal. I just thought I was eating. You know, I was just eating. I didn't think I was depressed or upset that my mom was going through what she went through. And I was like, wow. Now looking back, it's like, I really ate so much stuff that now I have diabetes because, you know, I was stress eating because everything that was going on at home and at school. And it was it was it was not the best experience looking back. That's the best thing to do when I look back at myself. Wow. So as we close, 
if you could tell mothers and you already have given so many great golden nuggets to our mothers, as we close, can you give them just some tidbits? What do you want them to know? Just, or even if you were talking to your mom right now or a mother like your mom, just what would you say to help make their road just a little bit better with their son? Okay, so what I would say to mothers is this. You have to understand, I'm assuming you have a teenager. Teenagers are going to be teenagers. You have to let them, give them that space that they need. Don't force them to do everything you said. You have to let them find their path. And you have to trust them that they know what they want. Because you not trusting them is only going to make the relationship worse. Because there's going to be so much trust. Well, why don't you trust me? Oh, this, this, and that. Let's just trust them. Believe them. If they're, if they're telling something that you really believe in and you're doubting them, it's only going to make it worse. And I would also, don't, don't listen to, you can't be like every mom because every mom has a different child. So you have to find what's best for you and your child. So you can't try to call your friend and say, hey, girl, what, how you deal with this with your son? Their son may be different. You may have to find some new ways. Maybe get a book. Find, you know, take a tidbit of what your friend said and maybe apply it. But don't try to, oh, that's another one. Don't compare your kids. That, as a teenager, I will tell you, will make their, oh, it will make them say, okay, well, hey, oh, you need to be outside. You know, such and such kids be outside all day. Okay, fine. You know what I say in my head? Fine, why don't you go be so-and-so's mom then? Since apparently what I'm doing is bothering you, stop doing that. Stop comparing. Stop bringing, stop putting, bringing up their weaknesses and bring up their strengths. Ooh. Hey, Junior. I, hey, Junior. Thank you for cleaning up the house. You know what? I was going to say go outside. This is the house cleaning smuggling. You can play the game. When it's time for dinner, let me know what you want. Enjoy. Leave them alone. Wow. They'll come to you. They'll come to you when they, when they're ready. Don't don't try to force them to come to you. Let them come. Cause then when they come, they're gonna be more excited. If you're forcing them to talk to you, they're not gonna they're gonna be aggravated with you and they're gonna just spit out anything so they can get away. But if you want the real, real juicy stuff that you wanna know that's bothering them, let them come to you with open arms. Hmm. Is there any bait um, that they can use? Uh, I mean, sure, nice incentives are nice. I mean, those are those usually work. You know, if your son plays a video game, give him money to spend on the video game. Maybe let him go out with him and his friends or girlfriend if he has one. Um, but just, you know, any, you know, average teenage stuff. Hey, let's go to the mall. Let's get something to eat. Let's go look at some shoes, you know. Use incentives. Or, you know, you can do any little thing like, you know, just taking them out. Letting them be them. They ask to go to the skating with their friends Saturday night, then spend the night at their other, spend the night at the friend's house. Sure, why not? Hey, son, here's $60. Go have fun. I'll drop you off. I'll pick you up Sunday. Wow. Use that. I mean, you can just, anything will work. When they understand that you want to see them happy, they'll be happy. 
So then they'll be wanting to do stuff. They'll be mm-hmm. wanting, they'll wanna, they'll wanna talk to mom about stuff because you're like, they're like, hey mom, thank you for doing this. Love you. This was bothering me. Can we change this? Or this is not. Love you. Yeah. I'm going outside now. That's really good because uh, a lot of mothers, their sons do not want to talk to them. Uh, One of the podcasts that was uh, done, I think it was played in September. That was the topic of conversation, communication, you know, talking about how boys just don't want to listen. They may look at you like they're listening, but really they're gone. They're not listening at all. That's the take that many mothers have. So that's a really good nugget in terms of how a mother can uh, help her son to start listening to her because mothers feel like their sons don't listen. And they feel like they don't, not only do they not listen, they don't hear what they say goes in one of their son's ears and out of the other. And they don't know how. I think because I think because I wanted to touch on this. Whooping and punishing the kid, it may work and it may not. I'm just saying, keep an eye out for that. Some kids don't like to become it. There's two types of kids. Okay. There's a kid that's like, oh crap, mom took my game. I can't go out this weekend. I gotta sit in my room. I can't leave the house. Let me change. And there's the other kid. There's the, the second is like, well, I already got, I don't have anything anyway, so might as well do what I want now. I ain't got my game. I ain't got my TV. Can't go outside. Can't go see my friends. I'm going to do what I want. So don't expect the whooping or punishment to work. You've already taken what they, you know, enjoy. So, you know, don't get mad when they get on your nerves. I'm just saying, you know, you know, that, that, that works. I, I can say that really bothers a lot of people. I've seen it and I'm also a victim of it. It really bothers me when my things get taken and expected to do better. But then again, it's to do better, but also it's not help. It won't help in the long run because it just makes me, again, it'll make you more angry and you'll go to school doing things that you shouldn't. So, mm. Wow. Amazing. Wow, Cam, you have been an awesome guest on today. You have given us some wonderful information that I believe can be used for years to come. And I think you've helped many mothers on today. So I want to thank you uh, in advance for all the mothers who will hear your podcast uh, in the coming weeks. So I'm going to end in prayer right now. And thank you for those words. So let's bow our heads. Oh, before I um, close in prayer, I want to remind you all to make sure you follow us on um, Instagram and Facebook. Um, make sure that you subscribe to our channel, uh, Dr. Leslie Inspires on iTunes and pod, uh, uh, Spotify and some of the other stations. But make sure you follow us, subscribe, like us, and give us a five-star review. So let's bow our heads. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, oh God, for this opportunity to come before you. We thank you for our special guest, Cam. Lord, cover him with a special prayer, with this supernatural anointing that he walks in, oh God. He's been through so many challenges, oh God, but we know that it is 
for a reason. And it's a reason such as this, that he's able to speak and articulate the way that he is able to, oh God, so that I'm, I'm asking you to just cover him in your arms, cover him and give him what he needs because he is a special one. He is anointed and appointed for a time such as this. And we just thank you, oh God. And I just ask that you cup your hands and carry each and every one of his tears and blot out each and every pain point, each and every scar, the invisible, the emotional scars that he carries. Lord, wipe them out so that it is as if they have never, ever existed. And I know that you can do it. Give him the peace that surpasses all understanding as he keeps his mind stayed on you as he ministers to the world. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pam. Thank you You so much. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Dr. Leslie Inspires. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Also, for more content and resources, please be sure to visit our website, www.drlesslieinspires.com. We'll see you in the next episode.